On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors finally changed their starting lineup this week, and it might be too late for it to matter. We'll get into why that is. We'll take your mailbag questions, and it's another round of Fake Trade Friday coming up on today's show. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like because when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday, December the 29th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. We're covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that don't work so good at Woodley, Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors, and of course, you can come and join us in the Lockdown Raptors Discord server. The link to join is in the description of the podcast. It's free to do it. And it's a great little community we got building around the show. Lots of friendly faces in there, talking ball, spiraling, all the good stuff. It's a, it's a great spot. Come and hang out. We'd love to see it. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars of course a reminder you can find the show for free wherever you get your podcast subscribe follow rate review tell a friend it's always appreciated when you do that uh you can also find us on youtube you can subscribe to the channel hit the notification bell and you will never miss an episode when it goes live which is perfect for our everydayers out there of which all of you should be at this point and if you're not get on board it's fun listening to me talk every day of course i uh, haven't been talking every day this week we are back after a bit of a christmas break uh the thing is usually i would record during this week but my parents recently moved to the country with very very bad internet infrastructure and so uh it's a nice baked in excuse to take a little break and unplug but i was not able to get shows out this week but that's okay because the Raptors have blessed us with a loaded weekend schedule with some pretty intriguing games. So you're going to get today's show where we're going to take your mailbag questions. We'll talk about the week that it's been. We'll get into a fake trade Friday. We are also, though, going to talk about the Celtics game on Saturday and, of course, the Pistons game that everybody's terrified about on Sunday morning as well. So you have that to look forward to. Uh, with that though, let's dive on into today's episode. Like I said, we got some mailbag questions coming up later in the show. We've got a fake trade Friday, Indiana Pacers edition to get to in the last segment, but I wanted to take a sec off the top just to kind of, you know, summarize my takeaways from a pretty weird week of Toronto Raptors basketball. Of course, you had the jazz game on Saturday, which featured a Scotty Barnes masterclass and also a masterclass in pissing away a 17-point lead, the defense completely falling off a cliff as it has been wont to do this season, followed up, of course, by a couple days off for the holidays, much needed, I'm sure, and a win over the very, very bad Washington Wizards that featured the starting lineup getting changed 30 games into the season, only about mm, 24 games after we, I think, realized this lineup maybe wasn't very good, uh, but they got it done. And that was encouraging to see 
if nothing else. And that's kind of where I'm going to focus this one, right? We've talked plenty about the defense and why it's been a, just a mess for the Raptors this season. I think that was very much on display in that Jazz game. If you want a deep dive on the defense, last Friday's show with Dave Dufour, a very good place to go for that. But let's uh, just kind of focus mostly on the lineup change and what it means for the Raptors. And frankly, my big takeaway on it, which... It's good. Like, undeniably, it's good that they've done this. Obviously, it's not perfect. Point guard play is important. The Raptors still lack that. Scotty Barnes, you know, there were moments in that game against the Wizards where you could see the limitations of Scotty as like a full-time point guard. You know, he's not always going to be able to burn by a guy in, you know, from a standstill. Denny Avdia locking him up a couple times here and there. Denny Avdia does that to guys sometimes, but you saw some of the things you'll have to work around with Scotty Barnes being your nominal point guard in the lineup. But generally, like the infusion of space and shooting and a better informed Gary Trent Jr., it makes a lot of sense for this team, not only because it frees possessions up for Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam to go to work that were previously being used in the starting lineup by Dennis Schroeder, but it also moves Dennis Schroeder to the bench where he was bloody awesome. He was a plus 29. He had 10 assists. He conducted the second unit beautifully along with a couple of rotation changes. We saw Jalen McDaniels back in the mix, Otto Porter Jr. back in the mix. And God, please let Otto Porter Jr. be back in the mix for the long haul here because he just makes those lineups make a whole lot more sense, as does Dennis Schroeder. And so while the starters didn't actually win their minutes, they kind of got waxed in their minutes defensively in particular. The offense was very good. Defense was a, was a mess. Uh, I still think this is the right move for the team in their current context. The issue is it might have come too late for it to really matter to the sort of big picture decision making that this team has to make, right? Like it's if you're going to use the next 10 to 15 games of hopefully this new version of the rotation in the starting lineup as sort of your be-all, end-all for decision-making, that feels like maybe not the best decision-making process. Maybe the Raptors already have their minds made up. Maybe they know what they intend to do with the deadline. Maybe they know that they're going to try to find a deal for Dennis Schroeder before the deadline for a contender or something like that. Maybe they know that one of OG or Pascal is on the way out. Maybe both, and they know that they're going to be sort of skewing more towards a Scotty-centric vision anyway, so why not get a head start on it? You know, you don't want to assume where the front office is at. I know all the reporting is out there. You know, Woj with cryptic replies to people on Twitter, you know, saying the Raptors still haven't decided on stuff. That's very possibly true. They've taken a while to decide on things in the past. You would hope that this change in lineup this late on into the season is not going to fully inform what their next decisions are going to be. Obviously, there's still information to be gleaned to see how the starting lineup looks. I think Gary Trent Jr. in particular, his future becomes very much into focus between now and the deadline if he's in fact starting with this group. Um, but it, it might just be too late in the game. They wasted a lot of time collecting information about a lineup that we knew all the information we needed to know about. We knew that Dennis Schroeder was not cut out for the role he was asked to play over sort of extended miscast as a lead guard, you know, we'll get some good information about what he can do as a backup. Sure. But like, we already know that, that that's, you know, that that's not part of really the, the, the equation here. We missed a lot of time getting information about what Scotty Pascal and OG look like as more central sort of a, a, of a trio with less in terms of interference from a guy like Dennis Schroeder coming in. I'm not surprised Dennis looked great coming off the bench. He's looked great coming off the bench his entire life. And I, I would hope that, you know, the, the just this, this the, you know, the first game out, obviously, it's one game. It's the Wizards. It doesn't mean a whole lot. But I hope that we can kind of 
have a realization here that it's way cooler and better to have the third best backup point guard at basketball, which I think Dennis Schroeder kind of is if he's in that role, than the 28th best starting point guard in basketball. And hopefully that sort of slight reshuffling of role really helps him kind of take off it. And whether building up his trade value or just helping the second unit be more functional, that's all very good. But yeah, we're kind of late now to get information on this starting group. We know there's a lot of data that suggests that Scotty, Pascal, OG, and Gary together are very, very good. They're a plus 21.6 net rating over just 163 possessions this season. I don't think that's enough possessions, and I don't know if they have the runway now to get those guys enough possessions to really have enough data to go on to make grand sweeping conclusions. And it's probably problematic if they're waiting till right now to make those grand sweeping conclusions. But yeah, it, it just it's not going to be enough to a change the information we've gleaned really or give us enough of a sample to really know anything for sure. And it's also not going to be enough for the Raptors to kind of crawl themselves back into this thing in a meaningful way. They're 12 and 18. That's a big hole. They have to play at a pretty serious pace if they want to even get back to 500. And look, the Eastern Conference after the top seven is kind of not great right now. The Pacers are not playing very well. Uh, the Hawks and the Nets and the Bulls are not exactly inspiring competition. And so there's a chance here that the Raptors with this reshaped lineup could go on a bit of a run. But does that in turn cause them to make decisions that are based on very short runways of sample? It's all very problematic. And this lineup change should have been made way, 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 way long ago, and it wasn't, so we got to live with the results of that. So that's kind of where I'm at on the lineup change. I'm glad it happened. I think they looked good, uh, again, against the Wizards, so all of the caveats, all of the grains of salt being salt-bayed upon the result, like, it, it's it's only so much you can take from it. We'll get a lot more information, I'm sure, against the Celtics and maybe a desperate Pistons team that is, like, trying to get a win and really playing like every game is the playoffs for them. Um, you know, maybe we start to get more info here as we get into a tougher part of the schedule as well. But again, it just feels like so late in the game for this change to be made that I'm not sure the fruits of that change are really going to bear much between now and the deadline. Maybe it does. Maybe they're so good between now and the start of February. Maybe they just blitz teams and the, the Wizards were just the first of many casualties on the Raptors steamroll up the standings. That's possible. Sure. The, the, the line, the team makes more sense right now. Definitely. But I, I, you know, I think that's probably considering what we've seen so far this season, not the most likely thing in the world. The roster is still very, very flawed, has a lot of issues, guys not playing well, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the defense remains a total mess. And if the defense isn't good, no lineup change is going to do anything to fix what this team is doing. So, yeah, it, it just feels like it could have been done way sooner. I'm happy it's happened now. And I hope we see the sort of uh, commitment to a revamped rotation going forward. One thing I will say, I would like to see Precious Achua more involved. You know, he played 10 minutes, and I think it was mostly because Yaka Pirtle got in foul trouble. It seemed like he was on track, maybe for a DNPCD, or at least very sparing work in the game against the Wizards. I think Precious has been one of their better players over the last month, damning with faint praise to be sure. But I also think there's some juice there with Precious playing with the big three plus Gary Trent Jr. That lineup has been pretty fun um, in very, very small samples. But I, I think we got to see more of that. They've played exactly six possessions together this season. I, I think there's more there. I would like to see more from that group uh, over the course of the next little while here and more Precious involved. But that's kind of my 10,000 foot takeaway on the lineup change. Happy it happened. Not sure it changes all that much considering how late it is in the game. And if it does change a lot, 
that probably raises some questions about the decision-making process of the front office if you don't already have them. Uh, we'll come back on the other side. We'll get into some mailbag questions. We got questions about Grady Dick, who we had an appearance from in that game on Wednesday against the Wizards. He was one for one from three, a beautiful step forward. We'll talk about Grady, talk about some other stuff uh, coming from the mailbag, which is, of course, in the Discord. If you want to get those questions in next time, Get in the Discord, ask the questions when I demand that people ask them. Either way, we'll get to all of that coming up in just one second. But first, today's show is brought to you by our pals over at Prize Picks, the single best way to go and play daily fantasy sport. It's daily fantasy sports as it should be. It's not you against a thousand other teams or one single expert in a basement putting together an unassailable roster. No, it's you against the projections. It's that simple. All you got to do is entry on your entries make two to six more or less picks based on what the projections are for given stats for players in your entry and it's not just for basketball although it can be for basketball only but you can do cross sport entries like for example in the specials league it's with basketball and football both ongoing you can create leagues with combo projections from football and basketball players and put them into the same entry that's pretty sweet so you have receptions for garrett wilson up against uh you know maybe points or rebounds for scotty barnes whatever it might be and you can go and make yourself uh, a little you know cross sport combo league entry on prize picks it's super awesome also of course prize picks has a reboot policy meaning if you have a player get injured in the first half for either football or basketball not return in the second half that player is rebooted meaning that prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy go to prizepicks.com and use the code locked at nba for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks that's prizepicks.com slash locked at nba code locked at nba for a first deposit match up to 100 bones with prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy all right, we continue on here. Your first listen of the day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, reminder, there will be Saturday and Sunday episodes this week talking about Raptors Celtics and Raptors Pistons. So keep an eye out for those as your weekend progresses. And we'll get back to the regular run of things. We'll take Monday off for New Year's, New Year's Day and we'll get back to the regular routine of daily episodes beginning on January the second uh but yeah let's dive into some listener questions shall we i put the call out in the discord there's a couple that were kind of hanging around from before as well so i'll try to do a mix of uh you know recent and uh out, out, outdated ones i have not yet gotten to entertain on the show not outdated just uh been there for a while but yeah let's first dive in to a question from our pal ben chapman of the discord asking given the needs of the roster what motivation would the organization have for not having grady as part of the rotation other than he looks extremely not ready in a practice setting. Um, I think this is a good jumping off point to just talk about Grady Dick. And I do think now is the time to probably reincorporate Grady Dick into what the Toronto Raptors are doing. They are 12 and 18. They are not very good. What they have been doing so far has not been working. And it feels like Grady Dick's skill set is desperately needed still on this basketball team. I have talked about this. The offense is getting there. They have been a little bit improved kind of week over week, month over month throughout the season. And it's been encouraging, you know, credit to Darko Ryakovich where it's due. They have become basically a functional offense, which is very nice to see in December. They're number 15 in offensive efficiency. They are 18th on the season. As of right now, most recently I checked on NBA.com. That's like nice. That is like where this team could have like where you would hope this team would be if you wanted them to have sort of designs on anything this season. Of course, it's been offset by a miserable defense that is not good, has no identity, no real plan, all that stuff. It's just not been there. But the offense, to its credit, 
has been improved despite the significant lack of three-point shooting. And I maintain the biggest issue with the offense right now, it's they get bad shooting variance nights. They really, really kind of run hot and cold, as you will when you have a lot of guys who don't shoot a lot of threes on your team and are not very effective at it. You're going to have nights where you're hot and cold. And I think Grady Dick, just given his pedigree as a shooter, gives them a chance to dodge the shooting variance bullet a little bit more often if he's playing you know 12 15 minutes a night i think there's a perfect place to drop him into some of these lineups i think uh dennis schroeder if he's going to be running the bench perfect guy to play alongside grady dick you can have grady dick kind of run around off ball while dennis runs you know traditional pick and roll with whoever's playing at center whether it's precious achua maybe it's yaka purtle staggered into with bench units maybe it's scotty barnes having grady dick work off ball from that i think is a good idea I think, you know, I'm actually a pretty big proponent of running some bench units here with Dennis plus Yak and a bunch of shooting between them. Grady Dick could be perfect there. You can run dribble handoff stuff with Yaka with Grady Dick. I think there are ways to implement him that amplify what he does. And yeah, he's not hit his shots so far this year. He's had his, you know, moments in the G League, of course, where he's had really hot nights, really cold nights. He's been mostly cold at the NBA level outside of one or two games. But I think now is the time when you don't have anything else to lose, really. What you've been doing is not working. Why not have Grady Dick occupy, say, the role Jalen McDaniels occupied in that game against the Wizards on Wednesday? I'm also not opposed to more Jalen McDaniels if he can kind of get into a rhythm here. I think the ideal version of Jalen McDaniels is a useful player. We've not seen anything close to what that player is so far this year, and it's been troubling. But I do think there's got to be some room here for Grady Dick to get into the mix because he offers the one thing that this team badly needs and is three-point shooting, an accurate three-point shooting, in theory, the sort of idealized version of Grady Dick offers that. And again, I think the offense right now is getting into its stuff pretty well. It's the play finishing that's the real problem. They're not having these long spells of, oh God, they can't get even into a set because there's no advantage creation. No, like they are running their stuff, getting into their actions. It's just the finishing has not been there specifically from three for a lot of these games. And I think Grady Dick stands a chance of offering a little bit more finishing from that spot than, say, Jalen McDaniels would at this point, or like a Chris Boucher. I don't think there's any downside to it. And frankly, to answer Ben's question, I don't think there is a sort of reasonable motivation other than what we're not seeing, stuff going on behind the scenes, you know, just not looking like he's ready for it in practice to keep him out of the mix. And hopefully he can kind of get back into the good graces here in the second half of the season after some run with the G League. That's how these things are supposed to go, right? Uh, another question came on this topic from Loquacious Drew in the Discord. What lineups would you like to see Grady play with to get him confidence and some shots? Uh, like I said, I, I think playing in between Dennis Schroeder and Jakob Pertl is one of the shooting options playing off those guys sounds pretty exciting to me. I think if you could roll out lineups, you know, if Dennis is coming off the bench, Jakob is maybe the first sub out, you roll with a Dennis Jakob sort of spine of your team with uh you know you can have grady dick you can have Otto porter jr gary trent jr you know maybe staggers in og and anobi might be a really nice fit there as defense uh offset by the not the, the sort of non-defense of a Schroeder right now he's not been very good there this season or a grady dick that could make some sense um obviously playing with the good players as well would make a lot of sense having him be a fifth guy an agent of spacing playing alongside scotty pascal and og would be pretty nice you know i'm very pro testing it out to see what you can get with a lineup of Scotty, OG, Pascal, Grady Dick, and Gary Trent Jr. The full extreme shooting lineup. It might be terrible at defense, but this team is terrible at defense most of the time. So what is there to lose? 
those are a couple examples of lineups I'd like to see Grady get worked into. Uh, let's get into one last question here, and it's a bit of a look back, a retrospective on the news and the rumors and scuttlebutt of the summer. Gabriel asks, during Christmas, me and my uncle discussed that the front office should have made the pull for Dame. In hindsight, I believe they should have, as Damian Lillard would be addressing some of the biggest huge concerns on the team, and they're lacking a floor spacing and uh, lacking floor spacing and guard play. Do you think it was a mistake that the front office didn't pull the trigger on a deal for Damian Lillard? Uh, look, I, I think my feelings were pretty known on this. I would have loved to trade for Damian Lillard. I think with the Raptors with Damian Lillard are a pretty damn good team right now. He's very good. If you've seen what he's doing in Milwaukee, he's like captaining one of the best offenses in basketball and up to very, very Damian Lillard things. He's excellent. He would have been awesome on this team. Him in the Dennis Schroeder spot, just like a massive, massive upgrade. I talked about Dennis being like the 28th best starting point guard in basketball. Damian Lillard's like a top five point guard in basketball. It would have been a pretty substantial upgrade. Obviously here, you know, if it was the sort of posited Scotty Barnes for Dame thing, obviously you don't do that. And I think the Raptors were smart uh, in hindsight, despite me being a big dum-dum with no future thinking in my brain, uh, being like, ah, trade Scotty for Dame, who cares? Uh, that would have been bad. And they're, they're right to have not listened to me on that one. That was me being a little bit overzealous and a little bit, I think, skeptical about Scotty Barnes, and maybe fairly so. He's, of course, blown all of that skepticism to pieces. Scotty Barnes is the truth. He's incredible, and he should be untouchable in any conversations going forward. He is that good. Um, credit to him for making a fantastical, unbelievable, uh, sort of unprecedented leap. It's been an absolute treat to watch, even when the team has been not very fun to watch. But anyway, uh, on the Dame thing, if it was an OG and an Obi and stuff package, yeah, obviously I think OG for Dame, you do that if you're the Raptors. It addresses the need that you badly need, filled, all that stuff. I think you do that. The problem is I don't think it was all that realistic in, you know, sort of now taking account of all the reporting that's come out that Dame sort of secretly behind the scenes went to Joe Cronin, the GM of the Blazers, and said, yeah, the Bucks would be fine, figure something out there uh, when the heat thing kind of fell apart. And I do think Drew Holiday, the sort of, premium that the Blazers could get back for Drew Holiday from a contender like the Boston Celtics, that was, I think, a thing they felt better about than getting a premium back for an expiring OG Ananobi. I really think that's kind of what it came down to. The Raptors could have had OG on the table. They could have had a big offer on the table. Bobby Webster said on media day that it was basically the biggest offer they've ever put it on the table for a guy uh, that, that they had on the table for Damian Lillard. They, of course, they'll say that because the deal didn't happen and they can say whatever they want, but I don't have any reason to not believe that they didn't push hard for Dame. Hell, the, like it seems like Shams Terrania had a Raptors Dame trade tweet ready in the drafts. Like it did feel like a thing. And so I don't think you can really look back and say, as much as the Raptors have missed on some opportunities here and there, I actually don't think they missed on the Dame thing that badly. It seems like they put a put a pretty competitive offer out there, but the forces at play, Dame wanting to go to Milwaukee, the Drew Holiday of it all, I think that is kind of what tilted them. I also think if they get OG, the DeAndre Ayton thing maybe doesn't happen. I think that was important for the Blazers as well here. So um, yeah, Damian Lillard would be awesome on the Raptors. There's no doubt. They would not have the problems they currently have. They would probably be a top six team in the Eastern Conference right now, considering how bloody well Scotty Barnes is playing. But alas, didn't happen. Can't dwell on it too much. And again, I don't think it's that big a mistake. If it came down to 
you know, you give us OG and he's on the, he, you know, Dame's on the Raptors and you don't do that. Sure. I think that's bad. But from the reporting, I don't really think that's how it went down. And the Raptors were maybe kind of drawing dead anyway. So uh, is what it is. We'll come back on the other side. We will round out the show with a fake trade Friday. Of course, the uh, new thing we're going to try to do every Friday leading into the deadline. Uh, this will be the second one we get to because we skipped it last week because Dave Dufour was on to just talk about ball, which was uh, decidedly not fake trade Friday friendly. Either way, we will get to this week's fake trade Friday coming up in just one second. But first, today's show is brought to you by our pals over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. And as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, same-game parlays, which are a really fun way to do it, and so much more, of course, the Toronto Raptors play the Detroit Pistons on Saturday. It's a game where the Raptors will surely be favored heavily just because Vegas does it that way. But man, oh man, if you want to do the happiness hedge and prepare yourself for the worst and the Raptors losing to the Pistons, which I don't think they're going to do, but knock on wood all over, um, maybe you go and put a little money on the Pistons, at least covering, maybe winning. And uh, so if the Raptors do lose, at least you get some money out of it and you don't feel too, too bad. I don't know. That's That's just a suggestion. It's going to be bad if they lose that game, but you can make it less bad by going to FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season or continue the NBA season, whatever your fancy FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, rounding out the show here. Thanks so much for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day. Reminder, you can go and find Locked On Sports Today 24-7 on YouTube. Actually, you'll be directed there if you're watching this video right now on the YouTube. You'll be directed right to Locked On Sports 24-7. It is all day, 24-7 Locked On podcast covering the biggest stories in all the, the big sports and, of course, the local stories covered by the local experts on those biggest stories as well as you come to know and love from the Locked On Network. So go check it out over there. Locked On Sports Today 24-7. Okay, rounding up the show, it's uh, Fake Trade Friday time. Of course, the rules of this are I'm very good at fake trades, and so I'll share a fake trade. It's very good. It's unassailable and all of that, and I'll just talk about why it works for both teams, why it probably won't happen, because that's the deal with most trades, unfortunately, and you guys can tell me if it was good or bad. Of course, it's good. All of my trades are good. There's just nothing you can do about it. It's just the way of the world. Uh, <laughs> of course, tongue-in-cheek. All fake trades are bad on some level uh, because they, you know, lack full context. They lack uh, proper player valuation and all that good stuff, but they're fun and silly. And I think in some cases pretty informative about like what teams can expect and hope to do come deadline time. And so today, based on, you know, the reports from, you know, Michael Scoto and others about the Indiana Pacers maybe being in on Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi, I've got myself a Raptors Pacers fake trade for fake trade Friday, and it goes as such. I'll show it on video for those watching. I'll read it off for those listening. Of course, the Toronto Raptors here receive Miles Turner, TJ McConnell, Aaron Neesmith, and Ben Shepard for Jakob Pertl, OG Ananobi, and Precious Achua. <laughs> That's a big one. Uh, yeah, T Turner, McConnell, Neesmith, Shepard for Pirtle, Ananobi, Precious Achua. No picks involved. Maybe there will be picks involved. 
I don't really know. Um, a thing to note here, Aaron Neesmith's contract is poison pilled. So that kind of screws with the math a little bit here, but I think it's workable considering what Aaron Neesmith's going to make on his next contract and all that stuff. Um, either way, the, 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 the finer particular points of these deals are the types of things where there's a will, there's a way, and teams will figure it out if they really want to get a deal done. This is more just thought exercise and not, you know, salary cap approved, ironclad trades that will, you know, certainly pass through on a trade call legality wise. Either way, there's a few reasons why I like this trade kind of for both teams. Again, it's a big one. Miles Turner being involved is surprising. Probably it's a big one. He's been on the Pacers forever. He's avoided trade speculation forever. Or sorry, been in trade speculation forever, avoided being traded forever. But I do think this one kind of makes sense for both teams. And here's why the Raptors in this case, of course, they're getting, I think basically the perfect center to pair with Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam. If they want to go forward with those two guys, as their core. I think a Siakam Barnes Turner front court, you get shooting from two of those spots in Turner and uh, Scotty Barnes. You get rim protection from Turner. Of course, he's been pretty damn good. You know, he's at like 54% allowed at the rim this season for a team that's otherwise really bad at defense. He's been asked to clean up all sorts of messes on the Pacers so far this year, and he's doing a pretty darn good job, but while also being a very nice offensive player who would fit absolutely perfectly next to Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam. Clear space for those guys to go to work. Knock down threes. He's got some closeout attacking juice as well, so that could kind of keep the 1.5 flow of the offense moving and constantly in harmony. I really think Miles Turner on the Raptors. I've said this before, but man, how bloody perfect would that be? It would make me very happy to see. Um, the other part of this, too, for the Raptors is Aaron Neesmith feels like a very, very good role player guy. Someone who's going to be around the league a long time, doesn't need the ball a ton, is going to hit threes, play maniac defense, you know, rebound better than his size would suggest. I think Aaron Neesmith's a guy, and I think he's a guy who would fit really beautifully alongside Scotty Barnes. You could roll out, for example, like a starting five of Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., Aaron Neesmith, uh, or sorry, that's not five, that's six guys, but Scotty, Trent, Neesmith, Siakam, Turner is your top six. Not so bad. There's lots of shooting there. There's lots of sort of multiplicity you can go with your lineups. You've got Dennis Schroeder. TJ uh, McConnell, of course, comes back in this deal as well to make it so we never have to watch Malachi Flynn play basketball again. Uh, ben Shepard's like a nice shooting prospect who's kind of blocked right now by all the guards they have in Indiana. I think this trade works nicely for the Raptors. Of course, you got to have it work for both teams. Here's why I think it kind of works for the Pacers. You know, we've seen the effect a pull-up shooting pick-and-roll partner can have on Jakob Pertl. And boy, oh boy, do I think playing with Tyrese Halliburton would just totally amplify what Jakob Pertl does well. I think he would be just like a guy with some really nice dive gravity, probably more dive gravity than Miles Turner has right now. Miles Turner feels like more of an outside-in type player. And I, I think Jakob Pertl playing with Tyrese Halliburton, you would see him kind of achieve the levels that he hit with Fred Van Vliet and then some Tyrese Halliburton's the type of dude who amplifies guys makes them better than they might look like they are on paper and the fit between those two guys I think will be bloody fantastic you know it's not to say the fit between Turner and Halliburton isn't awesome right now I just think Yach might give them a little bit more balance and you know a little more sort of roll gravity going towards the rim and also the big one here for the Pacers is OG Ananobi gives them the big wing defender they desperately need and a guy who, because of his ties to Indiana, feels like a pretty realistic dude to re-sign if you're the Pacers as well, which obviously is very important. They do this trade 
without having to move on from Jarvis Walker, their their recent high pick, who I, you know I can't imagine they'd be thrilled about moving in a trade. So they get to keep him. They get to add Precious Achua to the mix as like another big man prospect in a bunch of guys who all have like various possibilities of hitting between Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, Precious. Um, you know, you could have Jairus Walker. Like you have a bit of a big man stable there where not everyone's going to hit, but you have a lot of bites at the apple there for someone to hit as sort of the long-term backup behind Yaka Pertle, who, by the way, at four years, 20 million bucks a year is cost controlled two years beyond Miles Turner and 20 million bucks for Yaka Pertle, where he's playing in a context that works for him feels like a pretty reasonable deal. It's probably a bit of a drop back defensively um, as like a rim protector, but I think you make that back with OG being on the wings for this Pacers team. And I think in general, like those two guys would really give them a little bit more stability around the Tyrese Halliburton of it all. You could roll at a starting lineup of Halliburton, Buddy Heald, OG, Obi Toppin, who's shooting like 37% from three this season, and Yaka Pirtle and have, I think, a pretty good bit of balance that they don't have in Indiana right now is we're seeing their defense is just so bad. It's costing them games. And Miles Turner is like kind of part of that a little bit. Obviously he's in a very difficult context, but he's not exactly like the guy who's saving their defense. So maybe there's some flex there on moving on from him potentially if you're the Pacers as well, as much as, you know, inertia is powerful and Miles Turner has been a Pacer for a very long time. Uh, maybe this is the time to sort of shake things up. It's a proactive move. It's a move that is maybe surprising considering Turner's importance to that Pacers team success this year. But I do think a move like this could sort of better set them up with fit and balance and stuff like that going forward. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like this works a little bit. Obviously, Precious is just kind of like another bit of defense for them. He can play the four. He can play uh, small ball five if you need him to. He can kind of slide in and do a bunch of different things. They get a look at him before he hits RFA this summer. Um, you know, I think there's some value to that there as well. You have Andrew Nemhard kind of gets his avenue to minutes cleared up with TJ McConnell out of the mix. You just kind of have him be your backup point guard. Bruce Brown, Jordan Nawara filling the second unit alongside Jairus Walker, Jalen Smith, Precious, Isaiah Jackson on down the line. I don't know. It's maybe not a trade that happens. Like I said, most of these trades don't happen. It's like a zero to two and a half percent chance that any fake trade will ever happen or come to life and even sort of a close approximation to what the, the, the layout is. But I do think this probably addresses both teams' biggest issues. I don't know. I, I think it sets up the fit around Siakam and Barnes, obviously, very, very well. But I do think OG and Yak help give a little bit of structural integrity to that Pacers defense that they haven't really had. So that's kind of where I'm at here. I think they can survive in Indiana, a lack of shooting from Yak as well because of the rest of the shooting they have on the roster and Halliburton just being this sort of unbelievable force for offensive creation. I think Yak also offers a little bit more playmaking to kind of give Halliburton a hand than Miles Turner does right now, too. So there's that. I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to do anything to get Scotty Pascal and Miles Turner together on the same team just to see if it can work because I've been thinking about it for three years. But um, yeah, that's my fake trade Friday for this one. One last look for those who are watching. If you haven't seen it, Miles Turner, TJ McConnell, Aaron Neesmith, Ben Shepard for Yaka Pertle, OG Ananobi, Precious Achua. Just a good old basketball trade. I'm intrigued. Let me know if you think it's bad or if I'm stupid or whatever. Uh, of course, I'm not stupid. All my trades are good. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again on Saturday to break down Raptors Celtics. So keep an eye out there. Should be a fun one. Hopefully the Raptors can you know translate over the nice changes we saw against the Wizards against a real basketball team and not a G League team. Uh, that would be pretty swell. 
Either way, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again Saturday. Enjoy the game tonight. And uh, keep on enjoying this weird, weird week between Christmas and New Year's where calories don't count and time is fake and all that good stuff. Thank you so much for hanging. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.